Without Liquor. Welcome to this episode of Laughing Without Liquor, a woman's guide to living it up without the booze. Join your long-term recovery hosts, Lane Kennedy and Tamar Medford, as they have insightful conversations with others on an alcohol-free journey. We're glad you're here. Now let's dive into this episode. All right, before we get into today's episode, I want you to know that we have an awesome sponsor. Are you ready for it? It's called the Laughing Without Liquor newsletter. You can find out more information over at laughingwithoutliquor.com forward slash newsletter. But here's the get. When you sign up, you get all of our juicy discounts. Now, the first discount that I want to share with you is my big discount to the class. Have you ever taken the class with Taryn or Sophia or Sam or, I mean, there's so many amazing teachers over there. This is my preferred method of sweat, the class. Not only do I sweat, but sometimes I cry. Sometimes I'm laughing. Sometimes I am, well, definitely I'm getting a workout. Super spiritual, super fun, super funky. Go check them out. But first you have to get on our newsletter over at you said it, laughingwithoutliquor.com forward slash newsletter. Grab that newsletter. But you know, when you get into that newsletter, I have something else I'm going to give to you, which is our Unleash Your Self-Preservation. It's kind of a little mini course that you're going to jump into when you join, because we know that you are here to win it every day. So go check that out over at, again, you know it, laughingwithoutliquor.com forward slash newsletter. Sign up and you'll get all of our juicy discounts. Thanks for supporting our show. And now let's get into today's episode. Laughing Without Liquor, the content presented on the Laughing Without Liquor website and podcast is for informational purpose only and not intended to diagnose or treat disease. Before making any changes to your nutrition or supplementation, please make sure to check with your physician or healthcare provider. Laughing Without Liquor podcast is for general information purpose only and does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including or giving medical advice and no doctor patient relationship is formed. The use of information on this podcast or materials linked from this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice for any medical condition that they may have and should seek the assistance of their healthcare profession. So we're just letting you know that we're here sharing our experience, and we want you to take your health serious. So that's our disclaimer. Enjoy the show. I've been thinking about this and, uh, oh my God, so good. It's, it's so good. It's much as I want to change it. I don't think I can change it. Uh, it's just <laughs> delightful. I'm hanging out with my friend Tamar Medford. And I'm hanging out with my friend Lane Kennedy. And we're hanging out with you, my friend. Thank you for being here. And we have a special guest today on Laughing Without Liquor. Yay! Uh, I'm really <laughs> pumped up about this this conversation, Tamar. Me too. And I just like to point out that you went into the ditty. I, 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 uh, Cynthia, I'm trying not to make ditties. I start to sing our title, and I'm trying not to. And she just oh. pointed it out. 
Ah, oh, Tamar. I love it. I love it. I think it brings something to the episode. Well, so yeah. welcome. Oh my God. Oh my God. So Tamar, we're talking today about navigating motherhood. You are in this this new arena of your life where you're co-parenting. And you know, parents mm-hmm. well, parents, we get a bad rap sometimes, you know. Parenting's hard. And we have Cynthia Kofal here with us today of Better Regulate Than Never. And we're going to get into parents' values, parents' values versus your child's learning and how to be a better parent. Cynthia, welcome to the show, my friend. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited. I've been so, I've been wanting to see you guys again. I know it's so good. It's a long summer, but we're back and we're (laughs) feeling good. So good. So for our listeners, uh, just share a little bit of your, you know, your history and, and how you came to this place of better regulate than never. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you for asking. Well, I um, was an educator for 31 years. So I was a special education teacher for six years and I was a school counselor for 25 years. And so I have been in the business of regulating or helping young people regulate themselves for a long time. And I've worked with thousands of kids over that process. And all the years that I was in education, I always was hoping that I could work with more kids than just the ones that were in my school setting. And so then life coaching came along and I thought this is the perfect way for me to open up what I do to the whole world if I want to. And during the pandemic, I noticed that it was so important to be able to reach kids. And it was hard because they weren't in school. And I was still in the school system at that time. So I started doing YouTube videos that I would send to my students that they could listen to that had to do with regulating their emotions during that time because I couldn't see them face to face. And after that summer was over and we went back to school the next year, kind of in a hybrid setting where sometimes they were there, sometimes they weren't, the kids that were there told me, I listened to those videos all summer. Because of course in the summer, I'm not on duty and I didn't send them during the summer. And so they said, I listen to those all the time. And I thought, oh, I probably need to have some other way to be like putting videos out or having a podcast, which I have both now where I can help kids regulate their emotions in that kind of a setting, like over, you know, something they listen to or something they watch. And then it's just become my entire business. I no longer work in the school system. I do this full time for myself. Okay. Let's just first say you're a saint. (laughs) 31 years. Yes. I was going to (laughs) say. Just that's sainthood. I don't even know how you could do that. Six years with special eds. Like just, I'm like, whoa, uh, that's amazing. Congratulations. Well, I <laughs> that's like a major feat. Every bit of it. You know, like when I left education, it was <sighs> kind of in that time when everyone was trying to leave education. And I just kept telling people, I'm not leaving it because of the same reasons other people are leaving it. I There was never a day in the 31 years that I didn't want to go to work. I just loved what I was doing. Um, I just want to make it, I want to reach a broader audience. And so that's the reason that I left so that I could just reach more people. Because when you work in a school, you just have those, 
students that are on your caseload that you're working with. So there was never a time I didn't love it, and I'm still loving it. I just need to figure out how to be a business owner, which is a whole new thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that is a totally different thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for myself, I came, I became a co-parent a year ago, Mm. and we have two teenagers. They're now 18 and graduated, and a seven-year-old. And, you know, in the school system, I don't know how it is in the U.S., but in Canada, it's definitely broken. Mm-hmm. I think that there's not enough talk about regulating emotions. I mean, I, you know, had I been a kid and learned at that age what I learned now about emotional regulation, it could have been a different story exactly. because I actually, mm-hmm. you know, would have been the type of kid that, okay, I'm sad right now. Like I, I actually want to cry instead of the, well, I'm tough. I can suck this up. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, what, what inspired you to get into this work? First of all, um, because I think, you know, now being a co-parent, I see, you know, we have uh, three neurodivergent children mm-hmm. and it's heartbreaking mm-hmm. seeing how the education system can't necessarily support them and their needs in that, especially emotional regulation. Yes. Well, and I think that me seeing that as a parent, because I am a from a blended family. So my fir- I've been married twice. My first husband already had a son when I came into that marriage and we had a daughter together. Well, the son that he had that came into our relationship that son's mother had abandoned him when he was 18 months old and she was no longer in the picture. And he had a lot of, well, I didn't know it was trauma then because that was in, I think I started dating his dad in 1986. So we weren't talking about trauma, but he had a ton of it and he had a lot of behavior dysregulation and emotional dysregulation. And at that time, people just kept telling me, well, it's because he's not disciplined correctly, or, you know, you need to spank him more. I mean, that's what they kept telling me. And I was like, this doesn't seem to make sense. But I didn't have any words or knowledge of how to do it differently or to figure out what was really going on with them. And so then as I went through school for special education for to be a teacher, I realized, oh, something else is going on here. And so navigating that, and I've raised him into adulthood. He'll actually be 40 this year, which is so crazy. Um, and then I know, and then my daughter is is now an adult, and she didn't have any really school issues, but raising her and, and all the different things that go on in the school system. And then, um, and now I'm a grandparent, so I have that whole thing to start thinking about, like, how I want school to be different for them. But I I noticed there was a lot of holes in what I was doing as a teacher, and I didn't know how to fix it. And I felt like I was counseling kids all the time instead of actually trying to teach them because they had so much dysregulation. And I was not, I was kind of a wild teenager who had a lot of problems herself. And so I just took all of that knowledge, I guess, and background and experience and decided, I know that I'm the best person to work with these kids. And I know if I learn the right skills, I can help them. And so that's probably why I, the biggest reason why I chose to do it. Okay, Cynthia, let's go, let's just break out for a second and talk about the spanking. Oh, yes. Okay, let's talk about the Xers and the Boomers. The Xers and the Boomers, the late Xers, right? And the Boomers, they're all taking a belt and a wooden spoon and smacking those kids, right? Mm -hmm. So now we have a generation of late Xers who 
carried suit. And mm-hmm. you just said the magic thing. Like we weren't talking about trauma, Mm-mm. right? We weren't talking about spanking and you know, the, here comes the millennials and the, these younger, beautiful, awesome, amazing generations. And like, I'm a mom of a 13 year old, right? So I, I had my kid late. So I have this mindset of like, this is this, tr- all this trauma happened to me. Mm-hmm. And then there's this new kind of information coming up about trauma and victimhood and changing the way you're supposed to parent. And, you know, it, it becomes very confusing. Mm-hmm. And so at the end of the day, how I've been raising my son and how I kind of coach some clients that work with me sometimes, it's, it's like you have to go inside and start listening to your heart, mm-hmm. right? You have to go to your heart and listen. So navigating motherhood is freaking hard. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> let's, just, let's just all agree that navigating, you know, the, the I guess the jargon, mm-hmm. there's so much out yep. there in the world, like this is how you do it. And social media and Instagram, you know, all of a sudden I noticed this book. I wish I had the name of this book. This, there was an expert, you know, just shouting from the rooftops. And I thought, this is not the information that I want. Like, this is not helpful information. She's just like, well, go ahead and let your kids do that. Let them let them like that was her message like let them misbehave let them go off the rails don't discipline them that was her mm. kind of specialty mm. and i thought oh my god this is like we are in such disarray right now with again the jargon mm. and the influencers and just where do people turn to cynthia how do they navigate motherhood when there's so much information out there and you have your own values that perhaps you're not even in mm-hmm. touch with mm-hmm. anymore. What, what what should she do? That it is difficult because we do have so many conflicting things coming towards us. And I think that definitely working with someone who can help you find out what are your values and strengths and interests and, and what are your child's and that is exactly what I've been doing. I was certified with the UMAP assessment and they, one of the assessments is a values assessment. And I haven't put all this together yet exactly how I want to do it with parents and their child, but I have this beautiful idea of the parent takes the assessment, the child takes the assessment, and then they can see, oh, you don't like the, the rule about go to bed at this time because you have this value or your strength of command, which is an amazing strength to have, is what's butting heads with me when I'm trying to have you do something that I want you to do. And I think once the parents are more self-aware of what's going on inside of me and what makes me tick and why do I want to do certain things and the child realizes what is going on with them, I think it could be like, it could open up so many great conversations between the two. When I'm doing it, I just do it for the the young person. I'm not giving it to the parent, but it very well, I mean, it's something that the parent could certainly do alongside their child and figure out what theirs are. And then we could have great conversations and I could help facilitate those conversations between the two. But yeah, I think values misalignment between parents and kids 
is one of the things that probably gets in the way of any part of the relationship, whether it's rules in the house or um, just the ideas that a parent might have. And the child is still developing their ideas. And I think sometimes we get so scared when we hear something that we're like, oh, no, that sounds like a red flag or that sounds like something that they're going to go they're going to be in the gutters and have be, have a life of whatever. And so we we immediately try to kind of jump on that because we're so scared of it when really if we just listened and we just allowed them to talk about whatever this whatever in my our mind is like crazy, then we can kind of pick it apart and be like, "Oh, they're they're saying it in this way. I'm putting my spin on it, but really if I take myself out of it, they really are having a, an interesting idea. And sometimes they are off. Um, and But you can help kind of guide them in a way. You don't have to like be like, oh, no, there's something wrong here because they think something different than me. So as you were saying that, I was just thinking that, you know, I and, and Lane mentioned like the boomers and Gen Xers mm-hmm. because, of course, coming into this co-parenting thing, I was raised a specific way, mm-hmm. right? There was a routine. It was very regular. And my partner actually is an EA, an educational assistant at the school. So she is trained how to deal with neurodivergent children. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we will often talk about strategies we're going to use. But, you know, when it comes to what the kids are hearing in school or what they're being taught, right, talking about their values and stuff, Mm -hmm. and then what the parents, how, um, you know, how do you have that conversation with your child? I mean, I think it would be so awesome if you had, you know, that that kids do it, and then the parents do it. Because we are, I mean, we've had the teens come home and said, you know, they want to do this. And we're like, well, here's the reason we think you shouldn't. And they, we hear your, my body, my choice. Mm. <laughs> you know, So there's a lot of stuff oh, that yeah. they're being, you know, they're trying to conform to in school mm-hmm. and they come home and we're like, okay, that is like, like you said, the red flag, like right. that is dangerous. That is, but they're like, all my friends are doing it. All mm-hmm. of my friends have said it's okay. Like, how does a mother navigate that and talk about that, like have that value conversation with their kid. Well, it is difficult. And I remember having some of those where I, in my mind, I was like screaming or alarms were going off, but I was trying to be as calm on the front as I could. And so it's definitely an art. You do have to practice it. Sometimes I had to talk about it with someone and really get all the yuckiness out (laughs) so that when I talked to them, it didn't look that way. But I think if you show that you are open to listening and you're allowing your child to feel safe to have any opinion, even if it's not your opinion, they're going to be much more likely to listen to you when you say, here's why I think it's not a good idea. Here's why in our home we've chosen to raise you in this way. Now, once they get 18, and a lot of times, both of my kids were still at home in their senior year when they were 18. So that can get tricky. But I think if you build this relationship, and they are open and safe and feel like they can say and do things that, you know, with your help or whatever, that they're, they can be who they want to be or talk about concerns or things that they want to do. Then when they do turn 18 and you really don't have any say over what they do, they're going to much more likely follow 
what they've been doing. And maybe if there's something that they want to do, like a lot of parents talk to me before about tattoos. Now, that's not such a big deal anymore. I think everybody has one. I have one. (laughs) But um, a lot of people for a while were like, I'm not allowing my child to have a tattoo until they're 18. And I get the part about like, probably what they're going to choose to get a tattoo of before they're 18 is not going to be something they even want on their body later on. (laughs) I've seen that happen a million times. But at 18, the parent wouldn't have any say over that once they got to that, that age. So I just think there's a lot of stuff to be doing from the very beginning. And I, I have a toddler grandson and a almost toddler granddaughter. And I've already been practicing this with them that when they're kind of having their fits and they don't want to do this or that, um, I, I just talk to them about, I totally, I understand you're having a really big emotion. This is really hard for you to change from playing in the sand until it's time to go inside to have lunch. And I just, I talk, I'm sure most of this is going over their head, but I just talk calmly and I keep telling them that it's normal to feel frustrated or upset or angry or sad, but we're still going to go inside. And so what, you know, do you want to eat the noodles or do you want to have the applesauce? Do you want to have, and giving them control in a way because they get to choose something, but I've decided what the choices are. And I think if you're talking about teenager stuff and kind of more some of those ideas that really scare us about, oh no, what if they choose this or that? I think just finding out, like being really, having them be really honest with us. And if we've had these open conversations all this time, they will like, well, what is it about that that you are interested in? Or why are you choosing? Or why do you think you want to choose that option? And how can we work together to come to a compromise? And, you know, I'm willing to go here. What are you willing to do? And you can have, I I think that that could build such a strong relationship, even if in the end, they're finding out they're not going to get to do whatever it is, they're going to be much more likely to agree to it if they feel like they've been heard. I think that's the biggest thing that I even remember about being a teenager is that people just wouldn't listen. They were just like, oh, well, you're young. You don't know what you're talking about. Or our, in our house, this is the rule and you don't, you don't even try to talk to us about it. And I wanted to just talk about, I think if somebody would have said, I hear you, but still we're going to do this, it would have been a different story, but they were just like, no, this is the way it is. And I was like, Oh, I'm going to show you that is not the way it's going to be. <laughs> and so I, I don't know, maybe because I was such a rebellious teen, um, I understand the need to, to be heard. One of the things, um, just thinking about values, right? A lot of times, at least for me, you know, I have very, I've had strong, strong values. Uh, I found them in my recovery. Uh, adventure mm. is one of them. And uh, freedom mm. is another. And, you know, having a child, there's not a lot of adventure yeah. or freedom. So I've had to redefine mm-hmm. this. And my son doesn't necessarily have the same um, vocabulary or knowledge around values and what that means, right? So I've had to explore with him, uh, you know, investigate, like, what's Mm -hmm. important. And for him, he loves to be lazy. Like, he literally, he will read for 12 (laughs) hours straight. Just... You know, like he will just be right there. So there's a conflict of our values, Mm -hmm. 
right? Because I want to go out and I want to play. I want to be adventuresome. So there's been um, over the past, you know, almost 14 years now, this, uh, I don't want to say ebb and flow Mm -hmm. and learning how to navigate his desire, his value, his, you know, he has a strong value of being, um, I don't know. I don't want to say lazy, but you know, like he just, he just wants to be yeah. in peace. Harmony might be a, Maybe that's, a value. you know, mm-hmm. harmony, right? Like that's a really mm-hmm. big, um, value of his. And so uh, over the years I've had to navigate this and I have to tell you, it's been calm. Like he will say his value mm. is calm, right? Like, and, and, and which is in conflict with my like adventuresome, let's go mm-hmm. have fun, you know? And it's been really challenging for me to kind of ride that wave when he just wants to sit and be calm Mm -hmm. and respecting that, but then getting my needs met as well, you know? So for, for other moms that are out there in that state of conflict Mm -hmm. with their child's values, what would you say would be uh, a step that they could take to, win for both, you know, for, for me to win and for my son to win. I mean, I already know what I'm doing, but what, what's your professional experience in sharing <laughs> well, with that? I audience? love what you already said that you try to figure out how to have that value in a different situation that it wouldn't normally be there. And I, so I think you have to be pretty creative in that, but also, um, when you communicate with your child, you can say, you know, I have this, real need to have adventure in my life. And you have this real need to have just calm and peace and just be, you know, uh, I wouldn't say lazy, but you know, the calm and peace, the harmony, some kind of word that you could use that kind of fits for that. And I want to respect that of you, but what is, what are some things that we could do that are a little more adventurous on my end so that I can kind of enjoy that. And then you find, and then have him say something that he would like to do with you. That's more laid back. And I don't know what that would be. Usually a reading is a solo activity, so I don't know, but maybe you guys could, you know, brainstorm. What are some calm things that he enjoys that you could also be a part of? And so sometimes we do have to do things that you know, really isn't in our wheelhouse or anything that we're really that interested in. I remember having to listen to hours about anime shows and manga and all that stuff. I don't even know if I'm saying it right. But my daughter was so into that stuff. And she wanted to go to Comic-Con. And she did go to Comic-Con quite a few times dressed up in the craziest stuff. And I didn't understand it. And I didn't care about it. It was boring as far as I was concerned. But I to have a relationship with her because she was like deeply into it for quite a while. I was like, okay, tell me all about it. What are the characters doing? What's the story? You know, what's happening? Sometimes I would even watch an episode of something with her while she told me, oh, and then this person does this and then they go over here. And then the, and I just, you know, it's not my thing and it's not something, you know, I knew my whole life I wasn't going to have to hear about it. And I don't now we talk about her son instead of, you know, that stuff. But that though sometimes you just have to do those kind of things or listen to music that you don't particularly are interested in, but they are, and it's a way to create a bond with them over something they're interested in. And so a lot of times we have to let our kids give us the lead of what it is they want us to be involved in and how, and they do want us to be involved. Kids really want to be with their parents more than they'll act like 
or say. And so if we have this open relationship with them where they feel safe to be whoever they are, even if it's, you know, they know it's conflicting with some of our things, then they're going to want us to be around and they're going to want to um, experience things with us. Having this conversation, I'm going to show you something. And I know that I'll give you like the link to it so you can put it in your show notes. But it just made me think this would be such a fun thing to do with your, you know, your listeners could do with their kids, but it's called the Live Your Values deck. And it's just a card deck and each card has a value on it. And you can sort them and you just get them all out and sort them from this is super important to me. This is kind of important. This is not important. And then you just get rid of all the other ones and just take the most important. And then there's even ideas on the other side. Like if this is a value, here's some ideas of things you can do in your life to have to do more with this value. And I think if a parent or parents and children or parent and child sat down and the parent did their sort and talked about what's important to them. The child did their sort, talked about what's important to them. I think you could come up with so many ideas together about what can you do where you're respecting each other's values and maybe learning. Maybe you'll find a new activity that you didn't know you loved or they'll find a new activity that they didn't know they would love. And I think it's great to do that exploring uh, as a parent-child relationship. So I wanted to ask you, you were talking about peace and harmony, and I love, you know, I, I, we're navigating that too, you know, it's when the child wants to be lazy, as Lane put it, even though they're engaged in something like reading a book or whatever, and the parent wants to go out. What about, you know, just going back to emotional regulation, there's a lot of stuff, especially in high school, that teens have to prepare themselves for when they get into the real world. And we noticed with our teens, there was a lot of pressure to know what you wanted to do, to know Mm -hmm. what you wanted to go in college. And I mean, you know, we had similar, but not, I don't think as much as they do today. Mm -hmm. Like some of the stuff that they come home with, I was like, what? Really? Like, I didn't know what I wanted to be until probably about five years ago. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But you know, for especially for us, because the the girls are neurodivergent, and there's so much stimulus all day long for them, when they come home, and of course, they're not emotionally regulated, they're feeling anxious, or upset, or angry. And, you know, they come home, and there's, there's stuff to do at the house. I mean, when you're dealing with teenagers, there's often times where you have to remind them several times that they still have outstanding chores and Mm -hmm. you got to stay on top of that. And of course, then they lash out Mm -hmm. because, you know, they're, they, you're their safe spot so they can be Mm -hmm. the worst to you almost, right? right? They can start yelling and, and frustrating. What are, you know, for a mom that's dealing with this, because it's incredibly challenging, right? When you're trying to communicate at that point, what are some strategies that a mom can take with their child when they come home and they're completely not emotionally regulated to, to kind of ease back into that regulated state? Sure. Well, um, having tools of how you regulate yourself, and sometimes that's not how your child's going to regulate themselves because we're different people, but You may know some things that work for you that you can share with them and help them to try to be able to use them to regulate. I think a lot of times the conflict happens when we have a schedule or routine that really works for us and we want our child to fit into 
our routine. And a lot of times when I would talk to kids, they would say, well, I, I don't mind doing the trash or I don't mind doing the dishes, but they just come at me all of a sudden and I had planned to do this other thing. Or I come home and they're like yelling at me, get busy and get all this stuff done. And I just got home and I'm like, what is happening here? And I'm not saying that you or anyone else is doing that, but I think talking way ahead of time of, you know, what is the routine? What routine are we going to have? And then what what about the routine doesn't seem to be working if it, you know, there's always conflicts, like what is, what is it about this routine that isn't working for you? And it could be something where, you know, you want the kitchen to be cleaned up before people sit down and do their video games or watch TV, but maybe they need the decompression of the video games and the TV in order to feel like doing the kitchen cleanup or whatever. And so sometimes you have to figure out even if it's not the way you want it to be done or the way you would do it, if you work with them and they say, oh yeah, if I played video games for an hour and then it was time to clean up the kitchen, I'd totally do it and I wouldn't even care. Then you just have to kind of give up the idea that it has to be done before they sit down. And it's just a talking and, and it isn't that they get out of it and it isn't that they get to tell you what's going on. It's you're, you're saying, I don't, I don't know where where the conflict is. Can you help me with this? And then they're like, oh, well, yeah, I want it to be this way. Now, if they, if they said, well, I don't want to do it, or I never want to do it, or I'm not going to do it or whatever, you know, like that's a whole different conversation. And you could say, and I used to just tell kids as a family, any, any time that you're living in a home with other people, everybody needs to take their part in doing something. Now, sometimes you might get to say what that thing is like, well, these are the things I really enjoy. And these are things I don't enjoy. But you also have to think about the other people in your family also might not enjoy doing that chore, or there's other ones that maybe they do. And sometimes you find this great mix where something you hate is something they love, or, you know, vice versa. And then you can, maybe that could always be their chore if it seems to work. Um, Or maybe, if everyone hates a certain chore, then you just take turns. And they're, they're part of the decision making that, yeah, we're going to take turns on this chore. And when it's your turn, you're just going to do it. And that's, that's what we do, because we're family, we all work together, we're all going in the same direction, you know, like that kind of um, thinking. And I, I think that solves a lot of problems. Kids just don't want to be what they see as blindsided. Now, I know a lot of parents would say, well, I told them before that that's what we were going to do or whatever. They just need a lot more prompting. Um, And I remember using timers. And um, even when my kids were almost adults, like saying, when this timer goes off, then it's time to do the chore or it's time to you know, take the trash out or whatever, or it's time to go to bed. And so then it's not you saying, you know, going in their room saying, okay, come on, let's get out of here. The timer said, and sometimes you have to do it, especially if they're teenagers and you haven't been doing this and you're trying to build all this stuff in. That's a, I mean, it's going to take some time because they're used to not having to do certain things or they're used to disrespecting or, you know, whatever it is that's going on, that's not working. They're used to that. And so it's going to take longer. That's why if anyone's listening that has little ones 
or, you know, elementary age, really start these routines and behaviors from the very beginning, because then it's almost like they don't even know to fight about it when they're a teenager, because it's just part of what you've always done. I remember the seatbelt was like that, like, from the minute we brought our daughter home from the hospital, we used a seatbelt, she was in the seat. And then just we never left the garage without a seatbelt. And she never said anything about wearing a seatbelt because there wasn't, she didn't even know there was another way to ride in the car. Like that just wasn't part of, um, something to fight about. So, um, I think that helps. Hey, just a little reminder, just a little tiny reminder to make sure you head on over to laughingwithoutliquor.com forward slash newsletter. So you can start unleashing your self-preservation. We want you to live your ultimate life and we've got that for you over at the newsletter. Remember, laughingwithoutliquor.com forward slash newsletter and unleash your self-preservation. All right, let's get back to the show now. I think that's something that we've done in our house is Adrian, my son, um, he, he is now saying, okay, I'm going to do ABC and then I'm going to do the dishwasher mm-hmm. and the vacuuming mm-hmm. or whatever his mm-hmm. chore is. Mm-hmm. And, and, and since we've moved in this direction, life has gotten exponentially mm-hmm. better. Cynthia. Yeah. <laughs> they have to have their like, own I, schedule. It's, it's his agency, mm-hmm. right? He's, at a place in his development now where he, that's, it's, it's working, but it's taken a long time to get here. The other thing that as you were going through it, I I was thinking about how, you know, I, I used to dis, I disliked the TV, Mm -hmm. right? I dislike screens in general. And, you know, I've raised him like no screens, like he has no screen on Sunday. He only gets a certain amount per day, you know, like all Mm -hmm. that stuff as he's been growing up. And, I used to say to my husband, why don't you take him and go play basketball, go do something, you know, go, you know, get out of the house, play a board game. And I realized that again, going back to values, his value of being calm. Mm -hmm. Like I really recognize it's taken me almost 14 years to recognize his value, this calm, this harmony thing that he is constantly seeking. Mm -hmm. And so now he looks forward to the time with Mm -hmm. us watching TV and we have a scheduled TV Mm -hmm. time. And before we do that, he, I have a listening program that he does for his development and he's almost automatically trained himself. Now we did where he knows that he has to do his listening program. He takes a shower and then he gets to watch either swagger or some star Wars show with his dad or, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever it is, but it's this kind of, like giving him that power mm-hmm. has really, really helped to support his value of finding harmony within himself mm-hmm. by watching TV, which I'm like, <laughs> which is against me, right? Where it's like, but I know it's really important for him and it's important for our connection mm-hmm. as a family, which has been super, super great. I'm just, Yeah. We're watching this show Swagger right now, which is all about basketball. And oh. it's been really fun. It's been mm-hmm. super, super fun. <laughs> yeah. So, so I think, you know, as we age mm-hmm. and we're discovering that our children are growing and developing their values, mm-hmm. right? 
How do you suggest that we support them in understanding their values? Because my son is not going to say, oh, I value harmony or, you know, calm. Like he doesn't have that kind of knowledge, right? So how can I support him in discovering these Well, that's what's so great about a values assessment because, or even these cards, Mm. it's not even an assessment. They just, they look at the cards, they read about what is that value. Because truthfully, when it was just this summer that I took the UMAP for myself, just so I knew what was all in it. And then I could, you know, talk to people about it. And even for me, you know, obviously I know what my values are in a way, but I hadn't, like, when you see them all on a list and you're, like, choosing, oh, is this one more important or is this one more important? It was a great activity for for myself. Like, oh, I think I really do value freedom more than I value harmony or whatever. You know, like, those, and it's, those are really things that none of us, unless we are really putting ourselves out there to find this out, we're not taught this in school. We're not, uh, people aren't talking, at least when I was growing up, people weren't talking to us about any of this. And so I think it's great when families are more aware of that there are things out there, assessments and card games and everything else where you can just sit down and really look at what are they. And because values give you your direction in life. Like if you really value, I've been talking to kids that have anxiety and we were talking about if you value adventure, and I have some kids that value adventure, but they're anxious. And so we talk about that's your why to do something different about your anxiety. So if you would, if you value adventure and you're staying home every day because you're too afraid to go to school, then we talk about, okay, how can you use your value of adventure that is your why to get out of anxiety to have a different action and go to school and feel, you know, you have to be willing to feel the anxiety and let it go through you so that you can get on with your day, go to the new class, uh, meet new friends, you know, whatever it is that they want to be adventurous about. And so, and, you know, it's as parents, if we haven't been taught these things, we kind of have to be learning right alongside them some of these things. But that's, that's what coaches are out here for. That's what podcasts and books and value cards and assessment, all those things are out here for us to, to learn about ourselves and learn about our kids and for them to learn about themselves. And it would be amazing if the schools were doing this and they do it about five minutes on a Friday uh, or whatever, but it's not like what they really need in order to really put these things inside themselves. Yeah, I just uh, values. <laughs> I, I definitely want to pick up those cards because, you know, especially with the seven, seven year old, that is stuff that we want to get her into yeah. as soon as possible mm-hmm. because there you can already see some of the habit, habits that have started, mm-hmm. you know, to unfold when she's pushing back. And, you know, so yeah. thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Oh, they're so cute. <laughs> I think she has other things too that she, and I, I don't, I don't even, I'm not an affiliate of hers. I just think that they're great uh, tools to use. This has been a jam-packed <laughs> episode, Cynthia. Well, that's amazing. I just, I mean, I love hanging out with you. Yeah, because it just, you, you speak my language. You just get it so deeply. And I, I, I just appreciate people who have that depth of knowledge, mm. you know, that have that knowing 
And uh, those are the people that I learn from, who I respect, who I ask more questions, who I want to be involved with. Yeah. Right. I just so, so, so grateful. Uh, Tamar, you have anything else? No, this has been amazing. I mean, I have learned so much. I'm definitely going to carry some of this out into my parenting skills moving forward. So thank you so much Mm -hmm. for joining us. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yes. Thank you so much, everyone. Please, if you're a mama, a parent, co-parent, better regulate than never.com. Go start finding Cynthia today. For sure. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Cynthia, thanks so much for being with us. Oh, I had so much fun. Tamar, I just love, I love Cynthia so much. Me too. I She's feel so like great. I can be a better parent now as a result of what I've learned today. Yeah. I feel like I would have her over for a dinner party. Definitely. For sure. Right? Definitely. I mean, she just kind of like gets right in there. She knows how to talk. She, lo- she looks good. Jesus. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> And you know, who's, who's focusing on the kids, right? I love that she's decided, like she also works with parents, but I love that she's decided to focus on our future. Yeah. That's a hundred percent. I'm all in on that one. So cool. So good. So I hope you guys really enjoyed that. And I hope you will give her some love and pay attention to her and see what she's doing. She does a lot of stuff over on LinkedIn as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, So better regulate than never is her website. Uh, tomorrow we're going live. Yeah, we are. Yeah. We have lives now, fellow Tuesdays listener. Tuesdays and Thursdays. Tuesdays and Thursdays live on YouTube. And guess what? We have our lovely jam-packed newsletter. It's like a little, I don't know, love note in your inbox every week. So, <laughs> so good. <laughs> So go check that out. You can find out more over at laughingwithoutliquor.com forward slash newsletter. In in this week's newsletter, I talk about heart health. Big, big deal. Which, you know, this is being recorded, so you're going to hear it later. But heart health is so impactful. And if you're, if you don't know anything about it, I'm going to strongly suggest, strongly suggest that you check it out. Please, yeah. please check it out. Self-preservation. That's what this is all about. Tamara, thanks so much for hanging out with me. It's been so much fun, Lane. See you next time. Uh Bye. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode of Laughing Without Liquor. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Living in recovery can be a blast, and we are glad you're laughing without the liquor with us. We hope you'll join us again in the next episode. Until then, take care.